looks like we finally have a series. After the Braves won three in a row, it appeared they were heading to their first World Series trophy this millennium. But the Astros showed tenacity last Sunday night. The series is back in Houston tonight. Anyone who has followed Atlanta or Houston all year knew they wouldn't crack under pressure. The Braves haven't won at all since 1999, and Georgia sports fans are hoping to avoid the all-too-familiar heartbreak. Houston, on the other hand, won the series in 2017, but that victory has since been tainted by a cheating scandal. Who will come out on top at the end of this heavyweight bout? No one can tell for sure. Tenacity, hard work, and a little luck? That's what it takes to win a World Series. But thankfully, we only need one thing to enter God's kingdom, faith in Jesus Christ, the only name under heaven by which we can be saved. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this fine Tuesday, here in the middle of fall, we're continuing with a series called The Living Nativity. Yesterday, we began to think about the nativity. And I don't think it's too early to do that. Where I live in the United States, there's an unwritten rule. No Christmas until after Thanksgiving. But if we wait that long, if we don't start thinking about how we will meet Jesus this year at Christmas time, I'm afraid we'll miss the opportunity, especially with our families. The truth is, most of us know that Jesus was born and that he was wrapped in swaddling cloth and laid in a manger in Bethlehem. But sometimes we don't listen for the echoes. This week, I want to tune our ears back to the Old Testament. In Isaiah 7, we hear that Jesus would be born of a virgin. We can hear this echo forward in Luke 1, when the Virgin Mary learns she's pregnant from the angel Gabriel. But think about an echo forward in Luke 22. Jesus had died. His body was wrapped in burial cloth. He was laid in a tomb. So Christ Jesus was born and laid in a manger, but then he was reborn, resurrected, after being laid in a burial chamber. Hear the echoes back and forth, showing the importance of the nativity and the birth of our Savior. In a moment, we're going to think about Mary. How well do we really know her? Mary, the mother of Jesus. How would the first century people around her have responded? What was her true role in the Christmas story? Good questions. We're going to seek to find answers in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to encourage you again to think about how you will lead your family or your friends or your loved ones to Jesus this year, especially the children. Yesterday, we met up with Hannah and Kristen, the creators of the Manger Mission. We asked Hannah to share a couple of ways the Manger Mission has been used to share the story of Jesus with those who have taken advantage of it. It's a creative and subtle way, non-confrontational, to bring the story of Jesus into people's homes. We've heard of many people giving it as a gift to other families, whether um, the people they're giving it to are believers, or we've also heard of them being given as gifts to families who are not active in their faith. And the response has still been great. And so it's really neat to see this as a way to bring the story of Jesus into someone's home through their children 
It's providing their children something fun to do um, at Christmas and something that they actually enjoy doing, but does carry a lot bigger purpose and a lot bigger meaning than just um, being something fun. That's Hannah with the Manger Mission. It's an activity for December that can be used by families to anticipate Jesus through the journey of the wise men. After the program, I want to give you an opportunity to support Haven today by sending you a box with the Manger Mission for your generous gift. This child-led and Christ-focused activity comes with a storybook and a wooden block nativity set that's safe for children to play with. Help the wise men make their way to Jesus and pray that the children around you will do the same. So after the program, call us at 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, watch the video that we've put up. It shows how a family uses it. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And don't forget, if you wanted to but didn't get to, we still have the chosen TV show, Seasons 1 and 2, for your generous gift to the ministry. Since we're thinking ahead, I think they would make great Christmas presents. And now let's open the program with Jeremy Camp. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know? That your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand. Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels try? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. That your baby boy 
is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby Christmas song by Jeremy Kemp early this year. Mary, did you know? This was released as a non-Christmas song many years ago, but it's since become a Christmas classic. This is Haven Today, and the program is called The Living Nativity. Young and scared, but believing. That could describe any number of people, but it's especially fitting for the young virgin named Mary in Luke chapter 1. We know about Mary, of course. She's the mother of our Lord. But how much do we really know of Mary? Do we understand her place in the Bible as the Old Testament gives way to the New Testament? And do we know what the other first century people would have thought of her? This week on Haven Today, we're taking this fresh look at the story of Christ's birth. Won't you join me as we start to ask questions about who his mother really was? There's really one place to start, of course, the Bible. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 1. The angel Gabriel appeared to her in the city of Nazareth. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the messenger sent from heaven, since I am a virgin. And Gabriel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then, Scripture says, the angel left her. Here to help me tell the story is a professor who is less well-known than he should be, the late Dr. Kenneth Bailey. This brother in the Lord is now with the Lord, but during his life he helped countless people better understand the world of the New Testament. Here's Dr. Bailey talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She is a simple peasant woman, and this is incredible because she's not married. And so if she accepts this, there is a very costly discipleship will be laid upon her, which is the village will think of her as an immoral woman, and immoral women were usually dragged in front of the village magistrates and stoned to death. Now she can go to her family and to her fiancé and tell them, you know, I had an angel in the night 
and the angel told me this and this and this, and their response will be, yeah, sure, that's what they all say. Who is going to believe her? Angels have visited other people, but not with messages like this. This is something far beyond anything that the sort of earthy village mentality could possibly incorporate. And it is not only amazing, for her it must be frightening, and the cost of caring, of, of, of accepting this responsibility for her will be enormously high and may even require of her her life. Did you ever wonder why Joseph decides to take Mary with him when he goes for the registration in Bethlehem? In the Middle East, from the first century clear to our day, you don't take the women to the court and to official places. The men go. I don't take my wife with me to get our work permits renewed and our identity cards renewed in modern Lebanon. I take her papers and show them. Of course, the women are not expected to show up in public places of this kind. Mary is now great with child, as we're told in the birth story, but she is taken anyway. And I think the reason is Joseph is not real sure exactly what will happen to her if he leaves her behind back in that village, a village that probably still doesn't believe the story, which now he, because the angel has finally visited him as well, are that, that he and she and the family are telling. So Mary doesn't say, no, you've got to prove this to me, like Zechariah did. But she says, how is this possible? She's, then she's told that the child will be the son of God. She's been told he's the son of David, and now she's told he's the son of God. A miracle of God's grace will come upon you, and through the miracle of God's grace, this great event will happen. Now, what is her response going to be? She quietly at the end says, after she's been told of the second miracle, which is not now judgment as it was with Zechariah, it is also blessing. She says, let it be to me according to your word. She quietly accepts a very costly discipleship. And we discover that for her, faith is obedience. And in the acceptance of that obedience, she gives evidence of the reality of the faith. It really is an amazing story, isn't it? And you know what? Dr. Bailey is right. This is a message unlike any that an angel has ever brought to anyone. Can you imagine what Mary must have thought? She was probably going about her day, minding her own business, working hard as a peasant girl. It wasn't an easy life in Nazareth, after all. And then this happened. What would you think? It's especially surprising when we realize another way this ancient culture is unlike our own. When Gabriel appeared to her, Mary was probably in her early teens and no older. That's how old women usually were in those days when they were approaching marriage and motherhood. After all, the life expectancy was so much shorter, so you couldn't wait until you were maybe in your 20s or 30s to start bearing children. You might not make it. So this young teenage woman, here's an angel, tell her that she would conceive while remaining a virgin, and that this child she would bear would be the Messiah, the Son of the Most High. Now to say this is unusual is an understatement. <laughs> 
I don't know about you, but I can think of another miraculous conception and birth in the Bible. There are several others, of course, but this one was way back in the Old Testament. And we know the story pretty well, don't we? It's the account of Abraham and Sarah. After the Lord and two of his angels appeared to Abraham, Yahweh told him these words, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already quite old, and Sarah was past, way past, the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, Am I worn out, and my Lord is old? Will I now have this pleasure? What a difference in these two stories. Sarah laughed. Mary believed. And it was even more unbelievable for a virgin to conceive than for a woman in her 90s to conceive. Yet Mary, after asking a question about how this was possible, accepted it. It's likely that Mary knew the words we find in Isaiah 7:14: The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This young woman, who was probably far younger than we often think, believed the words of the angel. She knew her Lord. She undoubtedly knew her Old Testament. But as Dr. Bailey, who spent a lifetime as a scholar in the Middle East, pointed out, she also knew the people around her. They wouldn't believe such a story. Have you ever heard a story that someone tells that seems too good to be true? A miracle cure or something like that. Well, that's how the people in Nazareth would have heard Mary's story. It would have been cut and dry in their minds. This woman was making this up to cover her adultery. So there was great risk for Mary, at least humanly speaking. But she responded with these words, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a woman of faith. What happens to Mary is a preview of what happens to the believing community. Those of us who believe in God's promises will be exalted out of our lowliness, just like Mary was. It may be risky, humanly speaking, but it's so worth it. And you know what? We can respond to our Lord's grace the very same way Mary did. A few verses later in Luke 1, Mary sings her famous Magnificat. It's a song of praise to God, worshiping him for how he has fulfilled his promises. It's a song that you and I can sing too. That doesn't mean we have to use the same words that Mary sang, but we can sing to our Savior and praise him for his goodness and kindness to us. After all, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. This young teenage girl, this young woman of faith, soon traveled with her husband to Bethlehem, his ancestral home. And while there she gave birth to the one that all of creation has been waiting for since way back in Genesis 3.15. Jesus, the Son of the Most High, the Son of David, the one whose kingdom has no end. The Bible is the great story that's all about Jesus. And this young virgin has a part to play in the story. 
After all, our Lord has compassion on the weak and on the poor, just like you and me. My soul will magnify the Lord. I rejoice in God my Savior, in the wonder of His favor. For He has done great things for me. He was mindful of His servant. Every age shall call me blessed. From their album Joy, an Irish Christmas, that's the Gettys and Magnificat here on this haven today in the living nativity. Yesterday, I was a little worried we might get a couple of calls about why we've started Christmas so early. Well, we didn't hear one negative complaint. Actually, we heard from so many listeners who were excited about getting the manger mission early so that they can plan how to take the children around them to Jesus in a better way this year. 
In fact, Linnae in Ohio ordered two sets, making a generous gift to the ministry. And she asked us to send one to some kids she loves very much in California. Linnae, we pray that they will come to know Jesus this year. What about you? I want to challenge you to start thinking now about how you can help your family, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews find the living Jesus this year. The Manger Mission is a unique playset that comes with a storybook and a nativity set with 12 characters made from blocks of wood sized to fit in a child's hand. Not only does it encourage children to be creative, but it also inspires an entire family to focus on Jesus during the Christmas season. And as the kids in your life help the wise men find their way to Jesus, we pray they will find him as well. Please call us right now. Make your gift to Haven today, and we'll send the manger mission. The good news is we have them already in our warehouse, and we can ship them to you ASAP. Our number is 800 6 800-65-HAVEN. You can also take a closer look at the Manger Mission by watching the little video that we put up on our website where you'll see a family and children playing with it and then make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And not to forget, we still have The Chosen Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD for your gift. Get a set for yourself to enjoy. Get one to give away to someone this Christmas who needs to learn more about this Christ. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll get to share together the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Ever stop at a carnival to look at yourself in the funny mirrors? You know, the ones that distort your reflection? In one, you're tall and skinny. In another, your head is wider than your shoulders. Each one distorts your true reflection. But what about that mirror you look into each morning, whose image is staring back at you? It may be imperfect, but according to God's word, you're looking at a reflection of the image of God. Genesis 1:27. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And one of the best things we can do is look less at ourselves and more at the one we were created to reflect. Get more encouragement from Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.